Lauren, we are hovering over a box of donuts right now. We are. Our guest is from the South and says she grew up with Krispy Kreme. The, the show has ended in... And chef, you are you're showing incredible restraint. You said you got very excited <laughs> about about these donuts, but you have yet to take the bite. I'm not. I'm just admiring it right now. You're waiting for that bourbon. We'll we'll get into that I in the am. show. <laughs> yeah, I need something to wash that down. <laughs> All right, this is Chef Sarah Scott. Will be joining us, or I guess we should be truthful. You have joined us. We've just wrapped doing the show. It, it, it's really fun. I really enjoyed getting to know you a little better after knowing your name for so many years. And I know your listen, or our listeners will be your fans at the end of this. Oh, well, thank you, Jeff. This has been a great experience, and uh, I really appreciate it. First time for everything. Someone had a good time with us. I sure did. <laughs> That's great. Lauren, before we get to the show... We invite you to join Judd at his family's winery at the south end of Silverado Trail. Judd's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail, here in Napa Valley, California, USA. Visiting information is at juddshill.com or by calling 707-255-2332. That's right, and we love having folks come in, uh, whether you're a visitor to Napa Valley or one of our Napa neighbors. We guarantee we'll show you a good time. You know, while they're online having a look at the visiting information... What do you think, Lauren? Uh, They can take a look at some of our quirky videos that we've got there, uh, have a look at our events page where we have all kinds of good things going on. And, you know, what what do you say if they put some wine in their shopping cart? Should we give them a little special? Just type in coupon code JNVS, all lowercase letters, please, no capitals, and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. And if that's not enough, you can join the Judd's Hill Wine Club anytime, day or night. (laughs) <laughs> That's absolutely true. 24-7, as Lauren says. You can join the Judd's Hill Wine Club. Free to join. You get to try all of the wines, invitations to events and happenings. Let us be your uh, social director, I guess. It'll be a good time. That is for sure. Before we get to the show, I do want to mention, if you want to uh, play along at home, as it were, our guest, Sarah Scott, has her website. Would you like to give that? It's sarahscottchef.com. Have a look there. She also has Instagram under that same handle. So you can see the photos. You can see her as you listen along. It's going to be a great show. You're going to enjoy, and let's get to it. And now, enjoy the show. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of finkel fun. Get ready for another heap of fascinating things to know. From witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No sales script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Pardon me, I'll have a Chardonnay. A marvelous date, it's hard to say. I know we never talk about the Sauvignon Blanc. It's a must-have on the podcast. It's Judd's Napa Valley Show. You can't ease this flow if I elaborate over a Cabernet. My buddy's the truth. You should study my man Juddy and learn something new. Everyone who enters this place makes us happy. Some when they arrive, some when they leave. And now, (laughs) live from the 1440 KVON Studios at Broadcast Park in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, 
Jad Fingelstein. Good morning, Lauren Mole. Thank you so much for that great intro and that inspirational quote from Buttercream Bakery. Uh, uh, your your microphone didn't seem to be on when you first started speaking, but it's Uh-oh. it's on now. So oh. just to attribute that, that's a sign at Buttercream Bakery. Actually, it is. It is. Lauren Mole, what's happening, sir? Ah, boy, I am so excited about my gig next week at AT&T Ballpark with the world champion San Francisco Giants. Tell us all about it. Well, you see, everybody is a star. Uh, the organization that I'm with is a nonprofit organization based in Sonoma that helps special needs individuals like myself uh, showcase our talents in professionally made broadcast quality music videos. And we've been asked to sing for the San Francisco Giants, uh, the Star Spangled Banner. And get this, Jet, I just looked on the Giants website today. They're going to be playing against another World Series champion, uh, the great St. Louis Cardinals. Is that who it is? Yes. Wow, that's going to be a great game. It is. I am looking forward to it. Okay, and tickets are available? At everybodystar.org. Wonderful. And while you're at everybodystar.org, check out the videos that are there, including I just get got to need to need to know your know you yet. I just haven't met you I yet. I just haven't met you yet by Lauren Mole. It's a great video. It is. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. And I'm also looking forward to uh, uh, the annual 4th of July parade. Uh, Are you singing in that? Uh, no. No. You have, though, in the past. Uh, we did, but not this year. No. You're just going to be a spectator, or do you have a float that you're designing? And uh, I'll just be a spectator. Okay. That's fun. I could it... come if, well, I could come if I don't have to work, though. Ah, well... See what you can do about that. Right. And I understand. It's a long parade. You might, even if you do work, you might catch part of it. Yeah. And I understand that our very own uh, Bob St. Laurent and Doris Gentry will be broadcasting live that day. I wouldn't doubt it. I haven't investigated, but they always do a great job in years past. So I would imagine they'll be back again in the broadcast booth. Oh, they will. So, uh, so what's been going on with you, Judd? Well, let me tell you what's coming up. What's been going on? Things are good. You know, wine is good. Still getting great buzz on the wines. Still, thank goodness, and thank you to all who have uh, put your input on TripAdvisor. Judd's Hill is still the number one specific thing to do on TripAdvisor is to visit Judd's Hill. Uh, when in Napa Valley, it, after the more general, go wine tasting, get a wine tour, but as far as like naming a place to go, and it's because, uh, well, the wines are good and the hospitality. We certainly pride ourselves in offering a great customer guest experience when you come. So I invite all listeners, judshill.com. We love to see our Napa neighbors. We love to see folks visiting. Come say hi. But I want to talk about some things coming up. This coming Sunday, July 1st, the date got changed. I announced this a couple weeks ago with a different date, so I want to be sure folks know the date has changed, but it is going to be this coming Sunday, July 1st. What, you ask? Judd, is it? What are you talking about? I'm talking about Be Kind Day. Napa's Be Kind movement is having Be Kind Day at the Napa Silverados, our brand new professional baseball team, is hosting Napa Be Kind for a Be Kind Day, Sunday, July 1st at 1 p.m. at Silverado's uh, Baseball Park down by Napa College. And uh, tickets can be had at silveradosbaseball.com. And the Facebook link is uh, Be Kind Napa. And come out and see our very own Napa Silverados take on the Vallejo Admirals. The Kindness Kids will be there giving away their iconic Be Kind buttons. They will have information about the upcoming uh, Kindness Day, which will be August 18th back in Yauntville. So save that date, details to come. And there will be raffles and prize giveaways and all kinds of fun. So we hope to see you at the ballpark this coming Sunday, July 1st at 1 p.m. Get your tickets now. Also, one other thing. 
Judd's Hill. We're having a winemaker dinner in Napa. This is kind of rare. I don't do a lot of these within Napa. Uh, they happen from time to time. Usually I, I go out of town because for whatever reason, people seem more interested. I don't know. I think in Napa, it's like, oh, Judd's doing a dinner. Well, I don't know. I'll just see him tomorrow at the gym. I don't need to go to have dinner with him, but I'm really excited. And I hope you will come have dinner with me. It will be Tuesday, July 17th at Napa Valley Bistro, a real local favorite place right here in downtown Napa. Chef uh, Bernardo Ayala does a great job with some wonderful uh, comfort food. I just really enjoy that restaurant. And we will be pairing a multi-course dinner with our Judd's Hill Wines. Once again, Tuesday, July 17th at 6 o'clock p.m. Details are at juddshill.com. Just click on events. Or you can call, just call and make your reservation at 707 707- 6662383 to get to Napa Valley Bistro for that dinner. That's what I've got going on. Lauren, we've got a we way too much to talk about with this guest. So, let's dilly-dally no more. Let's okay. give an introduction. Okay, Judd. Thanks. Today's guest's cooking is hot. In Napa Valley, she's of the best that we got. She also writes books, perfect for all cooks. Please meet Chef Sarah Scott. Chef Sarah Scott, how are you? I'm great, Judd. How are you? I'm well. It's so nice to see you. We have been trying to get you on this show for I don't know how long. It seems like uh, everyone gets busy and then due to a, I take all the blame, a terrible scheduling <laughs> blunder, we we had you and then I had to say, oops, uh, can you come another time? And But we got you now. Thank we you for being me. here. Thank you for sticking with it. And, <laughs> And I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time because you are one of these people that that's just known throughout Napa Valley and the culinary world as one of these great chefs who kind of has her hands in a lot of places, uh, figuratively, I suppose. And oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're part of a lot of really cool food happenings and goings-ons and creativity, and I've, I've been wanting to talk to you. Well, I'm happy to be here, Judd. Yeah. I have certainly cooked a lot of food in this valley. <laughs> yes, yes, you have. Let's let's work our way up to that, shall we? Sure. Um, because you, you are known from... Well, we're going to get to that. Let's go all the way back. Okay. I'm not even going to get into your pedigree right now. It's just going to come <laughs> along the way. <laughs> I started looking at the list like, it's too long. It'll just naturally come out. Oh. But you are originally... You're not originally from Napa Valley, although you certainly have become a part of the fabric here. But you're you're from you're from down south. I am. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. And um, I'm proud to be a Southerner. Yes. And I'm very happy to be a California. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. I yeah. know the feeling. Having having traveled around, actually, too. I've been. I've only made it once down to Atlanta, but had a really wonderful wonderful time. We can get into that some other time. But I did okay. have some great food. Oh my gosh! Some yeah. great Southern style food. So, was that what you grew up with? Was your family a family of cooks? How did you get into this path? So I grew up with really delicious food. Mm-hmm. My mother actually didn't like to cook. Oh um, no! No, she she would cook. She was a good mother, so she had her little her specialties like pot roast and meatloaf, and it kind of was the same meals rotated every week. <laughs> but we had a woman that came to our house and cooked, oh. and her name was Bobby Lee Jackson, mm. and she was a cook, 
at the church where my father was a preacher. Okay, so that was the family business. That was the family business. My father was a Presbyterian minister. All right. And Bobby Lee Jackson worked in the kitchen there. And I used to find myself skipping church and going downstairs. (laughs) To the church basement. (laughs) To the church basement kitchen. Um, where I would uh, hang out there with the cooks and Bobbly and make biscuits and help them get the lunch ready for uh, after church. Ah, so you really found that that's where you felt your calling. Mm-hmm. Your father felt his calling upstairs. Exactly. You felt your calling in the basement <laughs> making biscuits yeah. and... I, I, I think I read about you. Your favorite dish to this day is fried chicken. Oh, my God. Did that... I love fried chicken, and Bob Lee made the best fried so chicken. So that's where your love of fried chicken came from, you think? Yes, yes. I, I credit her with giving me my um, food sensibility. I mm-hmm. She was a natural cook. Her palate was amazing. Now I know. <laughs> was so was so spot on. And I feel like... Spending that time with her, and and when she would come to our house, of course, I would be with her. She would teach me how to cook. Um, I, I feel like she kind of pointed the way to what my uh, my career was going to be. I didn't know it at the time. That's not where I was headed. <laughs> and do you think it was the actual food itself? Was it something about her spirit and how she approached the cooking as well? What did I, you What did you see in her that inspired you to follow this path? Well, that's great when you can point to some person or some event, and this this is well. I can, you know, it's it's kind of like as I reflect on you know where I am and what I've now done for a living for over almost forty years. Oh. I see that you know it was it's the thing of of feeding people hmm. and a kind of a pleasure in that and a joy in that. You know, there was just this kind of. Uh, feeling when, you know, we'd be sitting at the table just, you know, shelling peas and taking our time and Mm. just spending time together and kind of the care of putting food together. It just, food kind of came to equal love for me. Wow. And, um, And that's an important part of what food is about for me today. Wonderful. And at that young age, when you showed an interest in food, did your did your folks, and especially your father, did you see any kind of analogy between what he was doing and what you were doing? You're still feeding people in a certain sort of way, yeah. I suppose. I, I think so, yeah. It's it's kind of food. Food, to me, is a, a way of comfort. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about comfort food, and everyone's got their own kind of comfort food. And I think it comes from, you know, from childhood or, or those flavors or... even textures, um, things that made you feel loved and made you feel at home. And I, and yeah, my dad was, uh, feeding his flock (laughs) (laughs) with spiritual wisdom and comfort, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see the connection there. Yeah. Okay. Well, what a great way to be inspired at a young age. So what, what did you do about it? Did you, did you begin just cooking for the family? Did you go out to study cooking? Is that, no, actually, I think your background at least college-wise, you studied journalism, journalism. right? Or communications? Yes. Journalism, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it never occurred to me to cook for a living. Mm. I mean, I think, you know, in, in those days, being a chef was not a glamorous thing, and it was just something that I, had never occurred to me. Because as, as much as loving food, I loved books, and I loved writing. I wanted to grow up and be a writer. Uh-huh. And I do write. Yes. Um, but I... Of course, I cooked. You know, I always cooked at home. I was really, uh, I would cook things for the family, 
later in high school, my friends and I used to have these things, we called them food fest. <laughs> and we would invite everyone over and just cook, you know, 30 dishes oh, wow. and have everyone there. So food has always been this thread in my life. But I did, and I worked in a bookstore after uh, high school, and I always gravitated to the cookbook section. That was my <laughs> domain. Oh, you are born to do this. Yeah. yeah. And, well, the other, my, my one cooking credential, because I did not go to cooking school, is I have the Betty Crocker Homemaker of Tomorrow <laughs> Award that I got in high school. Yeah. Because <laughs> I used to read so many cookbooks and read Gourmet Magazine in high school that I aced this test that when Betty Crocker Homemaker Award came to our school to give this test, all the girls in the future homemakers of tomorrow also took the test. That's a great and I'm the outsider coming in, and I aced it. <laughs> well, well, okay, you bring this up. It's, by the way, congratulations. Thank you. That's it's, wonderful news. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren also has one of these. Is that right? Yes. Wow, you're in good company. I, I feel uh, like... <laughs> So, so what does that entail? What What is the test? What are you given? Oh, my god! What qualified you to be Betty Crocker's champion homemaker of tomorrow? Well, <laughs> honestly, I, I don't even remember the questions. It was like multiple choice or okay, fill okay. in the blank. But I remember the one question that all the girls were, were so mad. It's like, how did you know how to do this? And it was like, how to peel a peach by dunking it in boiling water for just a minute, being able to slip the skin off. Oh, okay. And I had read that in a cookbook, probably Joy of Cooking. Lauren, we just got a great tip today. Don't don't you love coming in and learning something? I didn't know you could do that with a peach. I love peaches. That's great. (laughs) Tomatoes, too. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, there were questions like that. Homemaking questions, food questions. Anyway, and here you are. And here I am. (laughs) And do you still, is that still, you know, when you're introduced at these grand, you know, international (laughs) culinary gatherings, ladies and gentlemen, she has done, you know, the executive chef of the Robert Mondavi winery, blah, 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 on and on, the author of this book and Betty Crocker's future homemaker of tomorrow, Chef Sarah Scott. I try to bring it up. I really. I think you should. I think you should be wearing a sash that says that. I know. On and on. Okay. All right. So, so did you ever get into the journalism side, or that was you know, something I to did. study to hone your writing? No, you did. I, yeah. I did. I, I was beginning to work on the Atlanta paper, the Journal Constitution at the time, and this was one of these fateful moments where mm-hmm. I was just about to be assigned my first feature article, but I was also I had a boyfriend at the time and. It was summer, I had just graduated, and we were planning to make a trip to California. And so I was at this moment of, do I take this job, do I write this article, or, or do I hop in the car and go to California? Oh. So you you know what I did. <laughs> well, I think you've anticipated I, my next question. How I, did you get to California? Yes, I, oh, okay. I made that choice. And after making that trip, we ended up moving out here. So it... it kind of changed the course of my life. Although when I did get here, I, I tried to uh, work at the Napa Register. Which what, what, what was the draw to Napa specifically? With, with the... So I have to tell you, it was, it was purely just happenstance. I had heard of Napa, mm-hmm. 
I didn't grow up, you know, with with wine in our family. I, I didn't. I, I had kind of heard of Napa Valley. I didn't really know much about it. And um, it wasn't at that time. We're talking about the late seventies. This is seventy nine. Nineteen seventy nine. I mean, certainly wine was on the map for Napa sure. Valley, but the food side, not so much. Right at that time. Yeah. So I'm just curious what the draw. You heard it of was, it? But... It was. A beautiful place. Okay, that for sure. Yeah, I, re- I remember this moment. I still remember we were camping. You know, we were on the road camping, and we were trying to camp out at the state park in, near Calistoga. Mm-hmm. But it was full. So we were s- driving south on 29. It was near the end of the day. And I look over, and I think now I know it's where Farniente was. And there's this shaft of sunlight through the trees like this <laughs> yeah. moment. And I went... I had the chills, like, this place, there's something about this place. Yeah, yeah. And then we left. But then my boyfriend, now ex-husband, okay, um, gotcha. ended up getting a job in Fairfield. So we did have to move out here. Mm-hmm. And we just decided to come to Napa just because it was kind of cute, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so crazy now, but... It, it it was just by happenstance that it happened. So well, you said you got a job at the register. Or you tried to get. I a job? tried. I you know I had very few clips to you know, cover food things. or just to be a journalist. No, just to write. Just at this write. point, I wasn't a f- f- you know I was cooking brownies. Got and it. Okay. Lemon bars. You I know. see. Um, okay, so where's the jump? I know there was some connection with the. Um, much loved, but maybe before it's time, cuisine renaissance. Yes, yes, for sure. That that you want place, explain what that was. Yeah, so. yeah, it was that place was um, incredible. Now you know you th- it was at the time, and now you look back, it's like my gosh, you know they were they were truly ahead of their time. But it was kind of everything wine and food under one roof here in Napa. Here in Napa, cooking school. Yeah, cooking school, cookware store, restaurant, yeah. wine bar, wine store, catering. Everything. You know, I remember as a little kid, probably maybe nine, ten, yeah. somewhere in that neighborhood, taking a kids' cooking class and learning how to do a chocolate souffle. I thought it wow. was the fanciest thing. And I'm, <laughs> as you as you know and can see, I'm a very fancy man. I so it, and I was a fancy kid, so it really appealed to me. I could make a chocolate, and I remember going home and cooking it for my family. So oh that was my the greatest gosh. place, you know, s- sitting in this cool kitchen and learning from real yeah. professional cooks. It made an impression on me. That's well, sure. that's so, I, I taught a couple of kids cooking classes. Oh, maybe there, I learned so from maybe you. you I, I was doing cookies and things like I that. I apologize that I don't remember who the... <laughs> no, no. Do you was, remember doing a chocolate it, souffle kids It could class? have been Nancy Sellers also. So. Yeah, yeah, very, very well could have yeah. been. I remember her yeah, very well from there. Because I, learned, I yeah. learned to cook from her and Emily and Dottie and Carol. Dottie Hopkins, all of them, sure. yes. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that I think kind of stumbling into that place Mm -hmm. riding my bike around looking for a job one day and i don't know why they hired me but they did (laughs) and it well you weren't the betty crockers well okay never mind change your (laughs) life that's i'm sorry i stepped on that momentous (laughs) statement (laughs) it's okay (laughs) with goofiness so that changed your life getting involved with them you know it's where I, i i got into that kitchen started cooking you know just making, you know, washing lettuce, things like that. But I felt, you know, it was kind of like that church kitchen. It's like, oh, Mm. I feel really at home here. I feel um, like I can do this. It it just, it it came naturally to me. And I realized it was that now cooking had kind of, uh, I feel like, I feel like cooking kind of grabbed me. 
Yeah. You know, it just was like, here, here you, this is what you're going to do. <laughs> it was always in there. And it just yeah. took that step. And then you were off to the races. Yeah. Looking at the clock. We could go another couple minutes, I think. Let's, you know what? I'm going to, let's take a pause here. Okay. I think this is a good place to take a pause because you've just been, as you said, grabbed. We're going to leave the audience with a little cliffhanger to find out what happens next. And then we'll have a little extra time after the break. Great. Sarah Scott is our guest, Chef Sarah Scott. We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley Show right after these messages. Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. At 1440 on your AM dial in Napa and Vacaville. And streaming live in Australia at KVON.com. Back to Judd's Napa Valley Show. Good eye, mate. Australia, huh? Yeah. I'd like to go there. So I've never been. I just love the kangaroos there. Hey, who doesn't? All right, we'll find a time. We'll go visit some kangaroos. Lauren Mole, thank you very much for being here. And yes, anywhere that the internet is free and accessible, you can find Judd's Napa Valley Show, kvon.com, streaming live while we're on the air. Uh, But also via the iTunes store, all past episodes are posted there. And you can subscribe and pick them up. Tons of fun to be had. We are talking with Chef Sarah Scott today. Very exciting. We're uh, finding out a little bit about who you are. Your name is known in the culinary world. You loom large, and now we're getting a little bit of your background. And uh, you've got a little, I'm very curious. It's a, looks like a small, maybe five by seven or four by six frame. Uh, it's face down, so I don't know what's on the other side of this frame. But you've got a big smile on your face. That looks like a very disheveled Napoleon Bonaparte. Yes, it is, Judd. <laughs> Tell me about this picture. <laughs> I'm not even sure where I got this. Okay. But it's it's a treasure. I've, I've no doubt. And it's a little painting or uh-huh. drawing of, yes, Napoleon. He looks exhausted. Yeah. I mean, he's been very busy, apparently. And he's sitting in a chair with his arm draped over the back of it, kind of looking down yeah. a little bit things are not going well this might be the yeah. first captured image of him from uh his time in saint helena i think so yeah <laughs> the the island where he was exiled in oh, the that, yes, yeah. yes. not our beloved my beloved hometown saint helena here in napa valley but we do have that connection exactly well he he's just looking a little weary okay it's it and you don't know the you know, you I don't, don't know the history of this particular. I haven't Googled this. I don't. I don't know. But where you where you got possession of this? You don't recall the story. I think it was given to me <laughs> by a French person. Okay. <laughs> well, then who was sharing? It the... might be an original in that case. <laughs> it could be. It could be a very small little uh, thing, but it's in a nice little wooden frame. Yeah. And um, with a wire in the back, it's ready to yeah, hang. Yeah, it's ready to hang. Mm-hmm. And for a you know your francophile or sure. Your, your, Bonaparte uh, file. It's it's a really, <laughs> it's a little sweet. If you would like thing. to pick a Bonaparte, you may have <laughs> this by being the first person to tweet. Get on Twitter and tweet with the hashtag JNVS for Judd's Napa Valley Show, and uh, please put at Judd's Hill as one word, Judd's Hill, and that'll pop up for me immediately. I will take this 
back to the tasting room at Judd's Hill at the south end of Silverado Trail, where it will be until Friday. If no one picks it up by Friday, I'm driving this straight to the Napa Valley Museum and donating it to their collection, where I will be uh, lauded as a patron of the arts and a grand... Uh, benefactor. So thank you very much, Sarah You're welcome, Scott. Welcome, Jet. I know it needs to go to a <laughs> deserving, appreciative. I home. think so. If you if you're into <laughs> world history, this is a must for you. Okay, where we left off in our conversation before the break, we learned a little bit about your background, how your time at Cuisine Renaissance here in Napa really got you on the path as a professional chef. Yes. And from there. Oh, my gosh. From there, it just exploded. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it seems like... <laughs> well, I have to tell you, that Cuisine Renaissance, at that time, in the early 70s, all the vintners were coming. It was a place where people were meeting. It was a place that hadn't existed before. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a real gathering place. And when it closed a few years later... You know, everyone who was there kind of spread out into the community and kind of went on to do great things. People who had worked there. Yeah, it's like uh, a dandelion spreading its yes. little seeds floating out into the community and sprouting elsewhere. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it was kind of a, a seed uh, at that time because it seems like, you know, around that time, other other restaurants were opening. Cindy Paulson came. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know that group got going and and a lot of people arrived around that time and so that that's when the the food scene started taking off also the wineries were you know they were growing they were they were getting known you know yeah. in in different ways and it was also the beginning so this is this has always been my path i've always cooked for wineries i've never really been a restaurant chef so it was the time when the wineries were looking at wine and food and the relationship between, yes. you know, wine at the table, uh, getting people to appreciate. I mean, as you know, at that time, there weren't, uh, wine wasn't the beverage of choice for a lot of people in this country. No. So it was kind of the beginning of that revolution to bring wine to the table. And the best way was through food, is what, you know, people yeah, were discovering. I, I talk about that all the time. I very, as much yeah. as I enjoy drinking wine, I very rarely do it without some food yeah. present as well. So you did some catering. You started your own catering company, is yes. that correct? Yes. I, I uh, you know, when, when I left Cuisine Renaissance, mm-hmm. then I went on to start. I worked for a little a moment at the St. George restaurant. Oh, sure. <laughs> Up in St. Helena. Exactly, which is Trevenia now Charter began, Oak. And now it's, yeah, Charter Oak. <laughs> yes, but that was, a, that was a crazy place and wonderful. But I also learned the restaurant world is not for me. No. So I went on to start my catering company. And that was really, that was the beginning for me. Mm-hmm. I, I realized this was my, my strength, was doing catering. I started working, my first client was Trefethen Winery, always with a focus on wine and food. You know, from there, it just branched out. I got referrals. I, you know, I got to meet people at Trefethen. This was, you know, you talk about my, I don't know, my education and my Betty Crocker, well, <laughs> which I'm very proud of. But I have a, a, such a weird, eclectic kind of way that I learned to cook. A lot from books, a lot from reading, but also I've gotten to be involved in several cooking schools that mm-hmm. were in this valley. And one of them was at, at uh, Trefethen Vineyards for over 30 years, the Napa Valley Cooking School. 
and started by Belle Rhodes and Molly Chapelet and Mrs. Trefethen. And they were bringing in people like Wolfgang Puck, Jeremiah Tower, Charlie Trotter, all these incredible chefs. So I was the sous chef for that. I got to work with all these chefs and learn. And also all the all the kind of ladies of the Napa Valley came uh-huh, to these classes. Uh-huh. And it was just this incredible, uh, what do I want to say? I don't know. It was just a gathering uh, of the the best in wine and food. So I was able to be a part of that, and I felt very grateful. And it just helped me meet people and expand my cooking, um, get the experience of working with everyone, and just kind of uh, growing in that way. What a wonderful experience. I, yeah. I, you just mentioned some amazing chefs that you worked with, and I've also read you've worked alongside uh, you know, Thomas Keller, Alice Waters, Julia Child, and I, I can think what a thrill that must have been yeah. for them to get to cook with you. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you, Jed. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I hope they feel that way. <laughs> and, and look at them now. Look at them. Yeah. Uh, Julia Child, that must have been something it was it was wonderful i got to meet and work with her several times and that was through robert mandavi winery during the great chefs cooking school and you were i I think i previously previous take your time john thank you i briefly (laughs) previously (laughs) mentioned you were the executive chef at robert mandavi winery for many years yes for about 14 years there from the early 90s and yeah yeah till about 12 years ago that's a pretty prestigious gig it was it was the best Okay, so it was the best. So it was there that you, let, was, let, let, Julie. Let's talk with Julie quickly. Julia, well, I, mean, I want I to just, focus on you, but we got to hear about Julia. No, no, no. She was she was amazing and tall. I always felt like uh, you know I came up to about her waistline. <laughs> very funny, very irreverent. Uh huh. Just such at ease in the kitchen. You so know, the way she comes across in her shows and her exactly. books really is how she. Was huh? yeah, she That's she was great. amazing. I mean, just the way watching her, you know, handle food and talk about food, it was just an extension of her. Her husband Paul was always there with her. Just an amazing couple, you know. He was just right there with her. But I just I loved her laugh and I loved her <laughs> sense of humor and um, it was it was great. Was there something you took away from your experience, either a, a technique, an idea, um, an angle, a perspective? Well, I, I think it's it was like a, a perspective or a philosophy mm-hmm. that, you know, to kind of relax around food. I mean, this is what I find when I'm, I'm teaching people. There, there's a lot of tension, like I've got to do this right, you know. I've, and I feel like Julia Child kind of emanated the sense of, you know, relax. It's you know, if you drop the chicken on the floor, <laughs> pick it up. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. <know>? yeah. <laughs> Just pick it up. Exactly. You know, and people um, like to be fed. They're going to be appreciative. <laughs> you don't have to tell them it fell on the floor. No, but, of course not. That's yeah. the other rule of the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't be knowing these things. What happens in the kitchen <laughs> stays there. Until, you know, our dearly departed Mr. Chef Anthony Bourdain oh, writes Kitchen Confidential exactly. and you find out what happens in the kitchen. Yes, yes. Exactly. Yeah, he didn't leave it in the kitchen. No. <laughs> But you know what? I think that got people's, uh, it intrigued them even more. Yes. You know? Anyhow, I think that was all good. Well, what a wonderful experience to be able to uh, to meet these people, get these, get these. I, I would imagine there was some back and forth. I mean, you were not just, I would say, cooking for them with them, but kind of some 
trading around, I would hope, some some cooperation, some... Uh... <laughs> well, I think there was always appreciation. Okay. You know, it's... it's uh, you know, the, the opportunity to to work with someone like that and engage with them and get to know them. Um, you know, I, I remember Marcella Hazan had me, st- you know, stirring the risotto. Oh, yeah. And she was a tough cookie, you know, and so she had me stirring and stirring and asking me, okay, should I, is it time to add more broth? I'm, I was just terrified. <laughs> I don't know, you know, but I can't say this. So I'm uh, stirring Oh, along. you weren't asking. No, and uh, she, I was stirring it for her. I see. In the class. She's like, okay, Sarah, you tell me when. Oh, oh and, a little uh, testing you a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And so... But I learned something in that moment, you know, because I, I was going to add it and there was still a, some broth. You could, you know, when you're making risotto, mm-hmm. how it evaporates and you're yeah. stirring. So there was still a little liquid in there. And I, I said, now she goes, no, no, it needs to be dry. You know, you need oh. to, you know, pull the spoon through and the rice stays before you add the next round of liquid. And you can feel it. There's a weight. Mm. There's a weight to the rice. So it's like. Okay, you know, I got it. <laughs> That's a good tip for us too, Lauren, us home cooks. Exactly. You know, so it's always, this is how I learned to cook, like little things like that. But also I'd watch, you know, I'd watch Julia Child clean a salmon. And then I'd watch Daniel Belude clean a salmon, mm. maybe in the completely different way. And it's like, oh, there's a million ways to do this. There's not one way to do this. Right. So I, I guess, you know, like I said about Julia, it was like, relax you know you you might screw it up but you can fix it <laughs> you can go in a different direction <laughs> pivot yes um that's great and you know something i read it was a quote of yours i think it was in what's it called edible marin oh. wine country marin magazine uh-huh, uh-huh. and you said something that i i think about often which is i think it's a great takeaway for anybody uh, a chef or just anybody don't mess with things that are really good yeah that was a quote yeah i apply that to just about anything but in the food world <laughs> you know people like to fancy things up yeah and uh certain certain just like to, lobster for instance i don't know yeah you know for me if i'm gonna eat a lobster just give me the lobster maybe a little melted butter I don't even yeah. need that. Yeah. Just, it's so good. You don't need to mess it up with sauce, uh, Thermidor, whatever it is. Yeah. I wouldn't complain about that, but sometimes the simplest things don't need anything else. It's it's true. And and I feel like I, I've i gotten simpler in my cooking. I mean, what, what I aim for is like, okay, how do I take that lobster and cook it to that place where it is going to be so delicious you mm. don't need butter or lemon. You know, right, it's, right. it's kind of about the, the way that you're cooking something mm-hmm. that allows it to, to taste its best. Yeah. And, you know, starting with a good thing. Um, but, I, yeah, I have certainly pared down and gotten, I think, simpler through the years with cooking. You know, it's more about, you know, that thing on the plate or that tomato, you know, let me get a really good tomato and maybe I'm just going to put a little sea salt on it and some really good olive oil yeah, or fresh basil, something, it, it, you know, that's yeah, the essence of it. And I certainly, I'm sure you have been in way too many 
spots that just <laughs> over fancify just to impress oh and gosh. charge you a few yeah. extra bucks. But the, the, I think the overall experience suffers. Another quote of yours, I think maybe it was in the same article I read in that, perhaps not, that part's irrelevant. But you said something. The question was, what is your favorite, I think, southern cooking ingredient that you couldn't live without? And do you recall your answer? I'm sure it's mayonnaise. That was the answer. <laughs> Let's talk about mayonnaise the for a moment. Food because group. Mayonnaise is a food group. Okay. So, you know, it's a, it's a fine balance when you're on the radio. You, don't, you know, you want to put yourself out there a little, but you also want to reserve a little of yourself for your private life. But I'm going to go out and reveal... A little more than I might normally be comfortable revealing out in public. I do not like mayonnaise. Oh it my is gosh. it is the M word. <laughs> I call it the M word. Now now I'll qualify that. That's a very general statement. I can take a little bit in a you know like a deviled egg or yeah. a little a little bit in a potato salad or hidden, something. Hidden. But uh, spread it on a sandwich and I'm running gagging to the next <laughs> county. So tell me about alone. your relationship with mayonnaise. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> And this is therapy. Oh, Jed, this, might I, help, this might help me get through it. This I'm is, glad you can say this. And, yeah, this is <laughs> therapy, loud. so I will, I'll pay you after this. This is going to help me. <laughs> Let's talk about well, mayonnaise for a minute. No, mayonnaise, mayonnaise is the, oh my gosh, it's, it's the South, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere. And I, you're not alone. There's there's definitely people. I, I know people who do oh, not like mayonnaise. Very, I haven't, you know, sought out yeah. any support groups, but I know we're out yeah. there. Mayo mayo non or something. <laughs> mayo non. I like that. Mayo nays. No. <laughs> nay. Say nay. Um, so where do you incorporate it or is it just across oh the board? Oh my gosh, it is the secret ingredient. Is it? I, maybe I can't even say where I put it sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I might not want to know. I might not eat no, cooking anymore. No, I know. But I tell you in the south, well, one my my grandmother was a really good cook. I didn't mm-hmm. know her very well, but I feel like I kind of channel her. And she made everything from scratch and she had a little mayonnaise maker which is a long a tall <laughs> cylindrical glass jar with this metal whip in it oh. and you just put everything in it and just move it up and down and oil and, you and make, eggs and yeah salt maybe lemon okay. juice mm-hmm. but you know in the south i mean it goes into a bechamel sauce for uh you know chicken divan or oh. for that green bean casserole we all love <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna step away from the mic for a moment because i'm gonna start i don't want to make I'm it uttering noises i'm not i have no control over but go ahead and my sister-in-law puts makes mayonnaise biscuits it goes into cake it goes everywhere pimento cheese <laughs> All right, let's stop and here. I'm sorry, folks, but uh, I, I, it's, it better, it's better that I not know, actually. <laughs> I thought this would be helpful. It's being quite the opposite. Something I can relate is, uh, <laughs> to you with about, I wish I could speak English, is that uh, you enjoy a belt of bourbon. That I yep. could, I might not be able to eat mayo with you, but we could sit and have we some bourbon. bourbon. Okay. You're, you're a good Southern yeah. lady. You enjoy a little. I like that. I, I love, I love wine. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to drink something else, it's bourbon. How do you take it? Neat? Do you like it mixed with something? I just like a big ice cube in it. Yeah. That's it. And I think, actually, I think bourbon is delicious with food. I think it goes with everything. I was about to ask for a pairing, but okay, everything. I know. I can't give you one pairing because I feel like it goes with everything. (laughs) All right. Let's, in the next couple of minutes, let's talk about this beautiful book, The Wild Table, which I happen to have right here. 
because I want you to autograph it for me. I brought oh. it. In, I brought it in from home. Oh. I own this copy. <laughs> um, but it's a really cool uh, concept. This is about foraging throughout the seasons and what you can find out in the wild. Now you don't have to forage. In fact, I'll admit I have actually never gone foraging, but I have cooked some. Oh, I'm glad recipes. Yeah. For, but I've you know found the ingredients in a store, farmer's right. market, whatnot. But tell me about the uh, the inspiration for this. So the Wild Table, um, I co-authored with Connie Green, who is uh, a master forager and has a, a thriving business here in the Napa Valley called Wine Forest Wild Foods. And Connie's been doing this for year, many, many, many years. So we we got together to do this book and it kind of it came out in 2010 so it's been out a little bit but it also came out at the beginning of this interest in foraging because mm-hmm. now you see these ingredients and these books and articles everywhere but it's a, it's a wonderful book in that Connie wrote about the ingredients so each of them there's a lot of uh, mushrooms in there yeah. there's also uh, berries and greens and things like right now you know, if you're driving around, you'll see the elderflowers that are blossoming. Oh, you'll have to point one out. Yeah, I'm not sure I know what one looks like. I've had it in things, but... Okay, so yeah, it's kind of... I was thinking before I came in about what's happening right now yeah. with the wild foods. Um, and the fennel, the wild fennel that's growing on the side of the road, those yellow flowers will become... You know, they will get to the point where you can get the fennel pollen off of those. Ooh. So anyway, I learned a lot also working on this book. I developed the recipes for it, went on several of these foraging trips with Connie. And it's a wonderful book in that you you learn about the ingredients, you learn how to uh, store them, take care of them, clean them. And the recipes are meant to, you know, showcase the rest to showcase the ingredients, but also give you substitutions, like maybe you've used. Exactly. Yeah. But also, I mean, these ingredients are showing up in the markets, farmer's markets, you know, Whole Foods, places like that are selling wild mushrooms, and sometimes you'll see the fiddlehead ferns. That's what scares me about foraging. You know, I don't trust myself to go looking for mushrooms. Berries, no problem. I'll go on a walk, and I'll see blackberry bushes. I'll eat those, no problem. Yeah. Mushrooms. No, mushrooms, it's a serious business, so you really need to to know or go with a a reputable, um, Mm -hmm. you know, certified mushroom expert and even then you know it's they're constantly checking each other and yeah the book is called the wild table seasonal foraged food and recipes by connie green and sarah scott and available wherever books are sold i'm sure right here in napa copperfields the book mine if it's not on the shelf ask for it yeah fatted calf fatted calf sells them amazon has some yeah okay well like to keep things local when possible thank you i want to ask you something we haven't touched on yet and i don't know if anybody's ever asked you this question but i hope that you will be honest and open if you don't feel like answering you don't have to (laughs) but i know that i would like to know i know i speak for lauren this is a subject near and dear to both of us and to many of our listeners. Chef Sarah Scott, do you do you go nuts for donuts? <laughs> because we've got a box of donuts right here from our friends at Buttercream Bakery. Oh my god. And if you wouldn't mind, you haven't answered the question, but that's that's okay. You're you're talking to someone who grew up with Krispy Kreme. There you go. <laughs> 
Well, we can talk about comparing donuts, but I would like you to oh, have goodness. a look. And you just mentioned how bourbon, in your opinion, goes with everything. If you had, do you have a particular brand of bourbon you like? I knew you were going to ask me that. You don't have, I mean, if you don't want to. And the, this is terrible. It's like, I like the one that's in the round bottle with the little horse on top. Uh, Blanton's. <laughs> Is that what it is? I think so, isn't it? Or is it, or is that? I know. Or it sounds like that. Is there Bla- I, I'm, Blanton's or I'm like, Valentine? I think that might be Blanton's. I'm humiliated right Someone now. Someone will call in and let me know. But it's. I think it starts with a B. Yeah, I know the kind. It's an orb and has a little racehorse or yeah. horse on top. I, I'm um, totally okay, humiliated. If, if, if you have that in front of you, which <laughs> mm-hmm. one of those donuts are you going for? Oh, I already know. Yes. This oh, one. What? <laughs> the... Our listeners already know by Lauren's reaction that you have picked the maple old-fashioned. We have found well into the 90th percentile of our guests choose the maple old-fashioned donut. It's it's How a per- could you not? Perennial. It is glistening with frosting. Yeah, buttercream. It just looks like a sweet mouthful. It 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 certainly is. Yeah. Okay, so you're having bourbon with an ice cube. With this, yeah. And a maple. I think that'd be delicious. Yeah, I do too. I mean, think bourbon about and maple it. go together. I was just gonna say those are perfectly complimentary. Yeah, Lauren, this is normally the time in the show when I say it's time to play everyone's favorite party game, but we're running out of time, so we are gonna leave that as a cliffhanger for our podcast listeners. <laughs> the mat today's Mad Libs game will be in podcast format only. So, dear listeners who are listening right now live broadcast on KVON, look for this on the iTunes store in the next week or so. Look for the Sarah Scott episode. Listen to it again. It's been fun. You're going to enjoy it the second time around. And at the end, we will have our Mad Libs game. Uh, (laughs) Chef Sarah Scott, your website is sarahscottchef.com. We can find out about the book, what you're up to. Uh, you also have Instagram and Twitter at that same handle, exactly, yeah. Sarah Scott Chef, and you are a good poster. On that Instagram, you've got great photos of food and scenery and things you're experiencing. I would certainly recommend people look into that. Sarah Scott Chef, once again, is the uh, website and also the Instagram and Twitter. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks so much for making the time. I'm glad we finally got you in here. I know, Judd, and you too, Lauren. <laughs> Thank you. And now some special podcast-only content. It's time to play everyone's favorite party game here on Judd's Napa Valley Show. This is Mad Libs. That's right. It's time to play our favorite fill-in-the-blank word game today with Chef Sarah Scott. Let's just get right to it. You know how this game goes. Yes, I do, Judd. All right. So here's what I'm going to need from you. I will need a plural noun. Uh, Shirt cardboards. (laughs) Shirt? (laughs) Shirt? You're good at this. I can already tell this is going to be fun. Shirt cardboards. Very strange. All right. Another plural noun. Kidneys. <laughs> okay. An adjective. Luminescent. I don't know if I can spell it, but I know what it is. There we go. Luminescent. That's brilliant. Okay. Another adjective. Bulky. Bulky it is. A noun. In this case, just a thing. Shoehorn. Shoehorn. Wow. You've played this before. All right. These are coming easy. Another descriptor. Adjective. Okay. Wrinkled. Wrinkled. And, ooh, this will be fun. Think of anywhere, any place, any type of geographic location that you can possibly even imagine. Just any kind of place. 
That's wide open. <laughs> wide open places. Um, oh, how about Narnia? <laughs> Narnia. Is that the white witch or the... Yeah. Okay, a plural noun. How about tweezers? Tweezers. Almost there, almost there. Just a couple more. Uh, another plural noun. Okay. Baby elephants. <laughs> Baby elephants. Was that Henry Mancini to the baby elephant wonk? Do, 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 I think so. Okay. And finally, a superlative adjective. Okay. Curliest. <laughs> Curliest. Okay, there we go. Earlier today, I was on your website, sarahscottchef.com. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I... Uh, was on your bio a little bit about you, and you've just rewritten a portion of that right now. Oh, great. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. Sarah Scott creates extraordinary food and wine experiences. Yes. This is true. <laughs> she specializes in crafting shirt cardboards <laughs> that enhance the kidneys they are served with. Her work for luminescent and bulky clients includes. <laughs> so, so here, here, here's some things that you do for your clients, okay? Designing shoehorn-friendly menus based on wrinkled foods and Narnian cuisine. <laughs> you would probably get a lot of work at Comic-Con. I think so. <laughs> okay. Uh, another thing that you do for your clients, your luminescent and bulky clients... Educating and training tweezers and baby elephants in wine and food principles. Oh, my God. (laughs) And just so you all know, Sarah expertly balances flavors and ingredients so that the meal and the wine bring out the very curliest in each other. Oh, my. That's so perfect. (laughs) And that is Sarah Scott in a nutshell. Uh, Chef Sarah Scott, thanks so much. Thank you, Judd. <laughs> this is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gillamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.